This is The Wrap episode 45. The Wrap is a weekly show getting you up to speed on movie news and fun things from the past week. Today is Friday, August 30th, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. I will, as always, as predictable perhaps, uh, start out with the box office report from Monday that I posted on the site. You'll find the link for that in the show notes for the full uh, box office report, and so let's run it down here real quickly. Number one at the box office uh, was Lee Daniels' The Butler. It had a budget of $30 million, and uh, it has brought in $52.2 million uh, total gross. Over the weekend, it brought in $17 million. This is weekend number two for The Butler, so not a bad haul for a film of $30 million in uh, its second week at $52.2 million. I've been told I should see this film. I just can't muster up the uh, courage to go see a film with Oprah Winfrey in it, but whatever. I've been told it's a good film. I don't know. I've got other films that I want to see, and so I'll be seeing other films. Number two was The Millers. It had a budget of a $37 million. It brought in $13.5 million over the weekend. Domestically now, it's at $91.7 million, $23 million foreign, bringing it to a total of $114.7 million worldwide. This is weekend number three for this film, and I weep for the human race because this film looks terrible. Number three, The Mortal Instrument City of Bones had a budget of $60 million. It brought in $9.3 million over the first weekend. Uh, last weekend was the first weekend for it, and it is at a $14 million total as of right now, or as I should say, as of Monday when I posted the article uh, that's not good for a $60 million film, but what's worse is the film is absolutely dreadful. It is absolutely dreadful on so many levels. It's 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 pretty much a mess. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, they're having trouble getting any interest in the film anyway, so there you go. Number four, The World's End. On a budget of $20 million, uh, it brought in $8.9 million over the weekend, and it is up to $24.9 million worldwide first weekend, uh, so it's already over its budget I've been told also uh, by none other than Mike Fizzle, who's been on the Movie Byte podcast with me uh, and who is a frequent uh, commenter on the site and interacts with me a lot. Um, he's told me that it's a good film and that I should see it, but I need to see the first two uh, films in this sort of same uh, genre, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, first. Uh, the film really doesn't interest me, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll make time for that someday. Uh, number five was Planes. Uh, brought it, it is currently up to uh, 77.3 million worldwide. It had a budget of 50 million, so it's now over the budget, but they've still got a little ways to go to really make their money back once you factor in uh, theater cuts and, and, and marketing and the like. Uh, I want to know who thought it was a good idea to make this film. It never looked like a good idea to me. Number six, Elysium. Uh, it is up to 139 million worldwide on a budget of 115. They've got quite a ways to go to really to really make any make it worthwhile. They've got quite a ways to go to really make it worthwhile. Number seven, you're next. I know nothing about this film. It looks really bad, like probably the worst film on here, I would, I would guess, uh, and I have no interest in seeing it. Uh, the, the budget is not available. We don't know what the budget was, but it brought in $7 million. Uh, that's its current total. Number eight, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. It's up to $110.4 million worldwide. As the previous film did, it's, it's bringing in more um, overseas than it is domestically. Uh, the budget was $90 million, so they have a little ways to go, but that's a little bit more hopeful. Weekend number three, maybe they'll get to do their sequel, uh, or their, their next film. I guess this is the sequel, and there's more films in the series to come. And frankly, it's better than a lot of things on this list. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. So uh, I would be interested in seeing more in this genre, in this series. Uh, boy, I'm mixing my words and metaphors tonight. Uh, I do hope maybe they can improve a little bit on on it, but it's not a terrible film. So uh, 
uh, moving on. If I can close my tab here. Uh, there will be more Hulk and Hawkeye on the plate uh, in the upcoming Marvel Universe. This is according to Kevin uh, Feige. Feige? I don't know how you say his name. He's the head of Marvel over there. And uh, he may be done making big announcements until 2014, but that doesn't mean he can't drop a few hints between now and then. The Marvel Studios head reportedly has things planned out, albeit tentatively, through about <clears throat> through about uh, 2021. And during an interview at D23, he offered some clues about what he has in store. Uh, among other things, Figgy promises we'll see more of the Hulk and Hawkeye. You know, as far as I'm concerned, this is a good thing. I liked uh, both of those characters from the Avengers very much. Even though I really liked Edward Norton as the Incredible Hulk in the 2008 film, I thought Mark Ruffalo did a really good job as the Hulk as well. So it, you'd be hard-pressed to pin me down on which one was better. Um, I, I, I hate change. I hate changing characters, so I kind of was against Mark Ruffalo for that reason. But by the time I got done seeing him in the Avengers, I was very happy with him. And Hawkeye, of course, I felt like we didn't get enough of him, and, and he was a bad guy against his will, of course, in the Avengers. So I hope there, I, I have hope there will be more for him to do in the Avengers uh, too, and I think we'll be seeing that. And in that same uh, vein, while we're talking about the Avengers, the question has arisen, will Joss Whedon kill off an Avenger? This is according to Scott Johnson over at comicbook.com. Director Joss Whedon isn't known to be shy about killing off characters in his movie and television projects. In fact, Whedon actually teased death, death, and death for the Avengers sequel during a recent question and answer session. As part of a lengthy interview in the current issue of Entertainment Weekly, Joss Whedon addressed if he could actually kill off a Marvel icon. Whedon said, well, I'm always joking about that, but um, maybe. Whedon added, but it'd have to be a really good reason, a really great sequence for Marvel executives to go, oh, we'll cut off a potential franchise, that's fine. They know as good as any studio does that without some stakes, some real danger, how involved can we get? We don't just rule it out across the board, but neither is the mission statement, who can we kill? So, you know, this is the scary thing kind of about liking Joss Whedon and his work and following his work is he's he's willing. He's perfectly willing to kill off characters. Of course, he's also willing to bring them back. Uh, you know, you've got Agent Coulson. Obviously, he was killed in the Avengers, and yet he's back and he wasn't really killed. You, you know, you had Angel, which actually was more of a death in, in the Buffy series. Uh, and then what do you know? The, they asked him to create a new series and he wanted Angel to be the character. So they brought him back. Uh, but, you know, he's it, it, uh, those are kind of. Uh, it can go either way, actually, because he's killed a number of characters that didn't come back, and uh, beloved characters even, and so that's kind of the thing, and, and it's a, a kind of a fine line to walk, because you have to, as he said, you have to have high stakes, you have to be willing to kill characters, and you have to let the audience know you are in order for the stakes to be real, in order for you to say when you're watching the film, oh, that character might really die. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I understand the need for the drama. It, it is kind of a mixed bag though with Joss Whedon because you kind of, you love it, but you hate it at the same time if it's a beloved character and we'll see, uh, you know, this isn't a rumor because this is a prediction and so it can't really be considered a spoiler, but uh, my prediction is that perhaps if Joss Whedon were going to kill a character, he might kill Hawkeye because is, yes, he's a part of the Avengers, but he doesn't have his own movie franchise and people do like him so this seems like the opportunity to kill a, a beloved character that wouldn't impact the bottom line and that would raise the stakes that that's kind of my prediction i mean it, the, by the same token i suppose that you could say natasha romanoff uh perhaps uh played by scarlett johansson might be in the same boat but joss whedon does like his strong female characters and i su suspect that he would want to bring her back in future films so 
Uh, I don't think he would kill her, but yet again, he might. Uh, in other news, Chi- a Chinese military official calls Pacific Rim American propaganda. And this is just rich to me, because this, this film was anything but American propaganda. You've got uh, Guillermo del Toro is Mexican. Uh, you've got one of the primary actresses in the film who is uh, Japanese, I believe. Uh, did I put that in my article? Uh yeah, and to be fair, he did say uh, America, not United States, but still, and technically, you know, Guillermo del Toro is from Mexico, and technically Mexico is in the Americas, but the U.S. seemed implied by the statement and things. You can read the full thing. Uh, it's it's on the uh, it's it's in the show notes, and you can read that if you want. I, I just found that pretty funny. Uh, we certainly we certainly here in the United States didn't consider it necessarily an American film, but whatever. Arrested Development is going to be getting the film treatment. This is for all you Arrested Development nuts nuts out there. I know you guys are out there. Arrested Development Season 4 ended with a pretty big cliffhanger. It was a bold move by creator Mitch Hurwitz because there was no guarantee the show, which had been off the air for seven years, would reconnect with audiences, especially since the entire structure was radically different. But it did. Season 4 of Arrested Development was a, a big hit for Netflix, and everyone wanted to bring it back as long as Hurwitz had an idea. The question became, would he make a movie like he had originally said years ago, or would he, sh- or, or would the show simply come back for another season on Netflix? Though nothing has been decided on on legally, Hurwitz has finally made his decision. He's writing an Arrested Development movie now and hopes to do a fifth season after that. So there you go, all you Arrested Development fans. I can't say I get it. Uh, I, um, I'm not a big fan of Arrested Development. I tried to watch. I, I, in fact, it's still on my Netflix queue, and I intend to continue watching it, but it's just been several weeks since I've watched it because I have other things that I would rather watch. I just didn't quite get it. Uh, but I am trying to watch starting in season one and go through it. So, and I know there are many of you out there that love it. I wrote my review of the Mortal Instrument City of Bones this week, and I did not like this film. Uh, let me just give you a preview by reading off some of the uh, headings in the uh, in the review. One heading is inept story. The next one is inept writing, inept mishmashing, inept special effects, inept romance, inept ineptness. That Those are some of the head- headings that I use throughout the review, and uh, you can kind of get the sense that perhaps I didn't really like it. I gave it one out of five stars. I also talked about it on the Movie Bite podcast, uh, episode 58, which is the first episode of the Movie Bite podcast on which I was uh, the only one on the show. I did not have a co-host. Um, some things came up for Chad, and uh, I couldn't get anybody else, and I knew the show must go on. And, you know, it was fun to do, um, and I hope to have a uh, co-host uh, lined up for next week. I'm in email conversations about that now. But in any event, I talked about it towards the end of that podcast and gave some of my thoughts. And, yeah, it was not a good movie, and I don't recommend it. And I do recommend that you check out my review and episode 58 of the Movie Bite podcast, both of which are in the show notes for this episode of The Wrap. There is a rumor, possibly a big spoiler for Avengers 2, so you may want to tune out for 60 to 90 seconds if you don't want a spoiler for a possible spoiler for Avengers 2. Uh, this is strictly speaking, this is a rumor. This is according to Ain't It Cool News, so take it as you will. If you couldn't help yourself from clicking this article, you still don't want this detail spoiled. Here's your last chance to flee. And so we have a bunch of white space. And then we have, okay, it's already been made clear that Ultron will be a product of Tony Stark and not Hank Pym in The Avengers Age of Ultron. But now it looks like Ultron might just be Tony Stark's robotic manservant Jarvis, given sentience and gone out of control. 
So that's the rumor. That's the idea going on here. And it makes sense to me. It seems like something Joss Whedon would do. It seems like something that makes sense within the universe that we already have and the constructs that are available. At the same time, there's a little bit of hesitation on my part uh, because A, Jarvis has always seemed like kind of a good guy. And B, I like Jarvis, even though he's not necessarily a sentient being. I, I like Jarvis and I would be sad to see that on one hand. On the other hand, it makes a lot of sense and it could be really good. So that's the rumor and that's what's going on. Uh, all right. Uh, now, today we learned that James Spader will face off against the Avengers as Ultron. This is not a rumor and not really a spoiler. This is a fact. James Spader has been cast as Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, and uh, this is according to Marvel.com. I have the press release for you linked up uh, in the show notes. Uh, and uh, James Spader, I know him, of course, from Stargate. He was the original Daniel Jackson in the movie. Uh, and uh, I saw him also in Lincoln. I have not seen him in any other films. I looked up on IMDb, and I didn't realize it. I hadn't seen him in any other films. So uh, he seemed like a decent actor, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he has for us as Ultron. Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright will be uh, have directed episodes of House of Cards, and that will be showing up in 2014. Um Kevin Jaggernoth over at the playlist says the, play the playlist has learned that while Fincher is still executive producing the show, he wasn't able to get behind the camera for the next round and direct any episodes. Uh, and while that may be a bummer, two of the stars have. Both Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright have helmed episodes of House of Cards. It will be Spacey's first venture calling the shots for the small screen, though he has two features under his belt. Uh, albino alligator and beyond the sea i was not aware of those uh, as for Wright, it's her first time ever directing though she no doubt has a good supportive team around her um you know it's, it's hard to explain exactly why uh i do like it when actors uh get behind the uh the camera and direct the episodes as well um and uh as the running joke is here on movie bite when it comes to me uh, um everything does go back to star trek and uh so uh I'll just I'll just say and reference Star Trek here and say that some of the best movies and best episodes were directed by the cast members. And so I'm excited to see what what happens. House of Cards, I, I felt like it was a pretty good series. And uh, I, I love the whole video on demand aspect and the Netflix aspect. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright have for us here. So that's the news with House of Cards. Before I sign off, let's talk about what you might want to see this weekend. Uh in theaters, uh, we have a new, we have Closed Circuit, Getaway, uh, those are the two new ones. Um, I'm also recommending one that's been in theaters technically for a little while, but it's it's a narrow release, not a wide release, and it just came to Nashville. I'm, I'm hoping to get a chance to see it soon. Uh, there's a little theater, the Belcourt Theater up in Nashville that's showing it. Um, and it's in a world uh, starring uh, Lake Bell, who also directed and produced and wrote the film. Um, and there's something very appealing looking about the film, and it's receiving extremely high positive critic, uh, critical reception, and the audience is liking it as well on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing it and seeing what's what's going on there. So I do recommend that film uh, just based on that. I have no idea. I haven't seen it myself, but that's uh, based on those things I recommend it to you. And if you if it is showing in your area, go see it. It is a pretty limited release, so it uh, might be hard to find. Closed Circuit uh, and uh, Getaway. Closed Circuit is rated R. Stars Eric Bana, Rebecca Hall, and Jim Broadbent. A terrorist attack in London results in the capture of suspect uh, Farrako, can't pronounce that exactly, Erdogan. Uh, the Attorney General appoints Claudia Simmons, 
uh, Howe, played by Rebecca Hall, as special advocate to uh, the guy's name who I can't pronounce, legal team. On the eve of the trial, a guy's name who I can't pronounce, lawyer dies, and a new defense attorney, Martin Rose, uh, played by Eric Bana, steps in. Martin and Claudia are former lovers, a fact which must remain hidden. As Martin assembles his case, he uncovers a sinister conspiracy, placing him and Claudia in danger. I do like the look of this film based on the trailer, uh, and uh, but at the same time, it's not receiving positive, positive or critical I'm having trouble with my words today. It is not receiving positive critical reception, nor are the audiences necessarily caring for it. So that makes me worried about it, but I do want to see it. I do plan to see it. That's the one I'm going to see this week. Um, so uh, I hope it's better than than what people are making it out to be. Getaway is starring uh, Ethan Hawke and Selena Gomez and uh, John Voight. Just based on the fact that some teen uh, idol sensation girl is in it, uh, Selena Gomez, I'm not really interested, but I know that that's unfair, and so I'm willing to give it a chance, but it is also not receiving good uh, critical reception, Um, and certainly the trailer makes it look a bit cheesy. Um, This is the first film I've ever seen on the tomato meter at 0%. There are 58 critics that have weighed in so far, and none of them had anything good to say about the film. That's worrisome. Still in theaters is Lee Daniels' The Butler. Were the Millers, The Mortal Instrument, City of Bones, The World's End, Plains, Elysium, uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, and Kick-Ass 2. For more on what I think about those films and whether or not you might want to see them, be sure to check out my article that is linked up in the show notes. That's all I've got for this week. If you would like to view those show notes, you can find them online at moviebyte.com slash therap slash 45. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro. You can also follow Movie Byte on Twitter to stay up to date. TJ, uh, <laughs> TJ, Twitter.com slash moviebyte is what I'm trying to say. You can like Movie Byte on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviebyte. And, of course, you will want to be sure to visit the website. I keep you up to date every weekday at moviebyte.com. That's all I've got. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great movie-filled weekend.